even the most capable of us are challenged when confronted with the complexity of the modern hospital experience. For a family caregiver, I found the informed patient by Karen Friedman, MD, and Sarah Merwin, MPH, to be a must-read guide and workbook. And I'm very impressed with it. And I'm very excited that Karen and Sarah are both here with me today. So it's a pleasure to talk with you both. This is really a, a guide to probably the most challenging time in our life when our loved ones are in a in the hospital uh, scenario, and everything seems to be totally out of our hands. Tell me what caused you to write this book. Actually, it it, um, it derived from a some real life experiences um, where uh, in which I had to go to bat for friends and family. Um, who were hospitalized, and because I worked in hospitals and because I had access to physicians and nurses who could uh, show me the ropes, uh, I began to realize that most patients come into the hospital and don't understand what's happening to them and don't have the tools to um, navigate their stay. Uh, n not just from the advocacy point of view, but just from some of the practicalities, like where you get a warm blanket, who are all these people. Um, and Karen and I began thinking out loud about how we could address this gap. Karen, would you like to add something? One of the things also that um, I always lament to my colleagues is, you know, whatever one of my family members comes into the hospital, one of the first things I do is pick up the phone and I figure out which doctor is taking care of them. And I speak to that doctor because I'm always wanting to make sure that people are looking out for them. And it's because I know what goes on in a healthcare system and in a hospital, how confusing it is. And I want somebody as well as myself to be able to navigate for them. But most people don't have somebody that works within a health system that they get admitted to. And so we felt that this book would help those people, you know, who really wanted a lot of information and answers and didn't have an inside person to help them. You know, we always say when you become a family caregiver, you kind of you get that metaphorical phone call in the middle of the night, dad fell, the test results are back, there's been an accident, and everything is, seems totally out of your hands. And I think this is never more intense than we for, when we first walk into a hospital scenario. So can you walk me through a typical hospital stay and the things we as caregivers need to be especially aware of? In the emergency room, one of the things people have to realize is that there's triage. So while you may think that you're dying and need urgent attention, sometimes people have to realize that other people um, may have more urgent needs than them. So a lot of times one of the confusions is in the ER with why am I waiting uh, longer than somebody else, or why did somebody else who came in after me is getting to go first? You know, that's one of the confusing things. Um, but people need to realize that the emergency rooms are set up in a certain way so that patients are triaged. So everybody hopefully gets the care that they need in the time frame in which that they need it. Tell me what that really means. When you walk in and you're being triaged, when you first step into the hospital waiting room? So there's actually a designated nurse um, when you walk into the emergency room who is the triage nurse. 
um, who will go ahead and take a quick intake of you, which means they'll, you know, they'll get your name, your information, your medical history, and the complaint that you're there for, and do a, usually a quick physical assessment. Actually, they'll usually um, check your vital signs and your temperature, you know, make sure that um, everything is stable and determine where you fall um, within the weight, whether you need to get moved forward, whether you can wait a little bit longer. Um, they're actually very experienced at that job, so they're able to um, figure out where you need to be. And if they can, actually, they'll escalate that uh, to a physician in charge of the emergency room to figure out where you need to be in the lineup. So then eventually um, you will your, your number will come up. <laughs> you know, you will get called. So that will be evaluated um, by a care provider. So a care pro provider in the emergency room could be different depending on which emergency room you are in. You may be evaluated by a physician assistant, a nurse practitioner, a resident, um, or a medical attending, depending on whether you're in a teaching hospital or a non-teaching hospital. Um, and so particularly, one of the most confusing things to me is if you're in a teaching hospital, because a teaching hospital has many layers of um, trainees um, that can fall under an attending. So you may get a medical student who comes in and takes your history um, and does your physical, and they may be followed by a, a resident who is uh, somebody who graduated medical school but is doing additional training before they become a full-fledged attending. And then the attending may come in. So it becomes very confusing for patients um, to try to figure out who, who are all these people that are walking into my room. You know, and they're, many of them are asking the same questions over and over again because they are trying to verify what the person before them um, gathered as history and did for the physical. Um, and after that process is done, they will, their team will determine, you know, what other testing you will need. Um, and after the testing is done, they'll determine whether you're safe to go home or whether you need to be actually admitted to the hospital. And we do spend a lot of time in the book talking about the different kinds of professionals who will be looking in on you and paraprofessionals and, and to be fearless about asking who these people are. So what do you want to see as medical professionals from us, the family caregiver we walk in? What role do you want to see us play? Patients tend to be a lot of times very passive in front of the care providers. But I really want patients to feel like they have a voice and somebody walks in the room and is asking them very personal questions and they're doing a history like, who are you, why are you in the room, and what part do you play in my care? You know, because I, for some, you know, patients come into the emergency room and they think almost like, okay, people can do whatever they want to with me here because I'm here to get better. You know, and we really want people to feel like they have a voice in understanding what's going on. Why are you ordering this test? Or can you explain to me the results of this test? That's the biggest thing that I want for patients. At the end of the book, uh, chapter 16, you talk about participating in your own care, which, of course, is, is, is really the goal, and speaking up. And actually, that something happened to you? I had to challenge from uh, uh, a medical professional who I value and respect tremendously and say, this is not a good choice for me. Let's do it some other way. And it, it couldn't have gone better. Um, I think being respectful uh, and appropriate um, is something that we have tried to, but assertive is something that we, we worked really hard throughout the book to convey, that it's appropriate to ask questions 
um, and and challenge, not in the negative sense, but to say, can we do this another way? Less expensive, less invasive, less time-consuming. We, as people, generally don't want to be the squeaky wheel because we're afraid our loved one will get less, better care. Oh, they won't like us, so they won't care for a loved one. And, and I, it's, you know, it's, it's a primal fear. But um, your saying is the more you speak up, the more you're involved, the more you put a human face to your loved one, the better it is. Absolutely. And, you know, medicine traditionally was a very paternalistic field. You know, the doctor would walk in. They would say, you know, we need to do X, Y, and Z. And the patient would say, yes, and nothing was ever questioned. You know, but that is not the trend medicine has taken. You know, medicine is now, uh, I don't want to say a team sport per se, you know, but we really try to work with patients and their families to be able to explore all the options and for patients to have a voice in their care, you know. Um, and so I appreciate as a physician when not only a patient speaks up about what they want and what they need, but when the family is involved in helping them make a decision. You know, particularly because when you're in a hospital and you're hospitalized, you're very vulnerable. It is very difficult for you a lot of times to be in the right frame of mind to make major decisions, um, which is why it is important to have a family member or a friend a lot of times accompany you to help you make decisions. It is appropriate to ask what medication um, you're being given through the IV and to check in with your doctors and nurses so that you um, don't have too much of the same, um, of similar drugs so that, so that you experience um, uh, ill effects. Karen, what, what other, um, can you no, I other agree. I think the biggest thing is it's completely appropriate to question particularly medications. Medications you know you were taking at home, now you're being given to them, you're being given them in a different form, particularly high-risk medications such as patients' insulin or their Coumadin. These are medications that, one, have the highest risk of mistakes, and when mistakes are made, they can be deadly, you know, and so people need to speak up, particularly when they are knowledgeable about their own diseases and what they normally take. I had a family member, myself, who was admitted to another hospital who asked me to check in on him, and I asked to look through the medications, and my family member was a type 1 diabetic, and I said, where is his insulin? And it had been left off of his medications by accident, you know, and without me having asked, he could have gone into a diabetic coma. Is there anything we need to know that can help us figure out the best way to navigate the system? I was just going to talk about what about um, common illnesses and using your community hospital. We we explained the different types of hospitals um, in the beginning. I mean, there's so many ways to answer that question, but choosing the right um, providers um, will be helpful. But also choosing the right institution to to um, where you would like to have the care provided. And if you're uh, in a, a large city, um, you may have many more choices. Sometimes the community hospital is the right place, and sometimes if you have a more esoteric uh, or mysterious problem, 
you need to escalate uh, your care to a high, higher level. If we're saying we just don't feel like we're getting what we need from this hospital, what is our course it's of really, recourse? I mean, the first person you should turn to is, is the attending that is caring for you, um, which is different in different hospitals. A lot of hospitals now do have hospitalists which are, you know, internal medicine or family medicine trained physicians who take care of the patient. Um, but sometimes there's um, other doctors who are taking care. But either way, whoever identifies as the doctor in charge, you should be brushed with them first. But if you don't get ahead with speaking to the doctor in charge, somebody, there's a nurse manager on the floor, there's team managers. There's many ways to escalate. Um, your concerns within a hospital system. Even, honestly, sometimes going as far as some patients feel the need to call administration, you know, because they feel that their needs are not met. And that's, that's appropriate if they've gone through other avenues and been unsuccessful. Tell me about uh, the difference between case manager, care manager, and, and even a discharge planner. It means different things in different hospitals. You know, case manager definitely generally is a care manager or discharge planner. So they usually, um, in both hospitals, are nurses, but sometimes they are also social workers, um, and they navigate the discharge process. They are most experienced in getting patients' resources to go to inpatient uh, rehabilitation, uh, sometimes admission to a nursing home, and then if they're going to go home, helping to set them up with home care services, physical therapy services, any community services that are needed, um, along with a social worker if they are not a social worker themselves. Different hospitals have it set up differently. And this brings up an important point that I, I will um, tell a funny and, and somewhat revealing anecdote about um, the c confusion over the names of the different professionals that we encounter all the time. And in the book, we try to give all the synonyms for the different ways that um, professionals are called in, and paraprofessionals are called in the hospital. So recently I was with a family member who was hospitalized and um, some, some individuals came into the, into the room and said, we're the techs today. And I'm thinking, okay, the tech. So I know what a nurse's aide is. I know what a certified nursing assistant is. I know what a PCA, patient care associate, is. And all those things are, they describe the same individual who helps the nurse and does some of the routine chores. But I've never heard of a tech. And I thought it was a like a telemetry technician, someone who, who monitors the machines that look at, at, at heart function. The tech in this hospital was just, and the book was already in print by the time I figured this out, the tech is just another way to call the PCA or the um, CNA. So um, uh, we're constantly having new nomenclature and jargon thrown at us, uh, even, even those of us who are in the know. Actually, that's perfect lead into my next question. What... Um, would you say that you learned, Karen and Sarah, I mean, either or both, through writing this book that you didn't know? Well, I, I'm always learning from every everything I read about medically and discuss with Karen and the other professionals who guided us um, in the writing of, of this book. And, and I think um, it... 
it's just the, the myriad ways in which things change all the time um, and, and how much work it is to, to keep up. And, and my example of uh, not knowing the name of this person who was there to help us is a perfect example of, um, you know, the continuing um, mystification that confronts us in the hospital. I was surprised. I, you know, I'm a medicine physician, you know, so I take care of probably one of the largest cohort of patients in the hospital. But I've forgotten how medicine-centric I am in my thinking, and it was eye-opening to see the surgeons and pediatricians and see how similar things are but how dissimilar they are in many ways, too, and realizing that I, as an internal medicine doctor, am probably not highly qualified to maybe navigate somebody through pediatrics or surgery, not having that inside information myself. What would be the one most important piece of advice that you'd like to share with a family caregiver when it comes to interacting with the hospital system? Stay alert. Stay plugged in. Don't let down your guard. Be polite or speak up for yourself and your loved ones. Firm but polite carries the day. Exactly. Yes. 